This is a holy moment, you guys. Every single weekend, the Spirit of the Lord is here, waiting for you. Not just on the weekends where there's a tragedy. Not just on the weekends where it was a rough week. Not just on the weekends where it was a great week. And I so believe this. I so believe this, that if we just started showing up to church, like expecting him to be there and expecting him to teach us and expecting him to speak to us. Man, even if you got the Ten Commandments down, I guarantee you that you can learn something if you just, if you expect to learn. If you expect to be taught. And I'm not saying you have to like pray all the way to church because those of you with kids probably can't do that, right? I'm not even saying you have to like be into all three songs before the message either. But take five seconds at some point between when you walk in those doors and when you sit down here and just say, God, can you teach me? I know the Ten Commandments well, but can you teach me? I don't know the Ten Commandments at all, God. Teach me. I had a great week this week, but I still need to learn something, God. I had a terrible week. God, help me to leave all that aside and focus on you right now so I can learn from you. And this spirit of expectancy, I guarantee you, it's going to change your week. It's going to change how you come to church. It's going to change what you learn at church. Instead of just coming here every single weekend and wasting your time, So God, would you just teach us? Teach us to expect you to be here because you are here every single weekend, every single moment you are here, desperate to show us more of yourself if we would just pay attention long enough and listen long enough to notice. Teach us now as we continue to study these 10 commandments that are so wonderful that show us how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good job on the audible, guys. That was not planned. That was good. We've reached a moment of transition in our series on the Ten Commandments, and I love transition. I think transition, I believe transition is good. You know, my family and I were in a very distinct season of transition right now in our lives. And while it definitely has not been always like fun or enjoyable, I have learned to love transition because I love to learn. And the tension that exists when you're not quite out of the season, one season, and not quite in the next creates an almost overwhelming number of opportunities to learn. And so since we all, all of us in this room and on the podcast, since we all have this, we're in this transition moment in the series today, we all have an opportunity to learn, yes? Hey. In fact, I even expect God to speak to me and teach me about the Ten Commandments even as I preach, okay? And I've been studying it for eight weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. But I expect God to teach me even more as I preach it. 
And so really the only difference between you and I today is that I will be doing most of the talking. Right. So I'm just, I'm so excited to learn today and I hope you guys are too. Are you ready to learn today? Okay. So Dave and Mike, the last two weeks, first of all, can we give a huge hand for them? Yeah. They set me up so well. I get to focus on the stuff I wanted to focus on. So I, I, can't, I can't honor them and appreciate them enough. But uh, they taught us that the first four commandments dictate our relationship with God. Okay? And over the next two weeks, we're going to look at the, the next six commandments. And those six deal explicitly with our relationships. While they deal explicitly with our relationships with each other, they still connect back to the first four because they still affect our relationship with God depending on whether we choose to follow them or not, okay? These first four commandments also clearly tell us that God is for himself and his glory first. And I shouldn't have to prove this to you, but I'll review just so we're all on the same page. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not use my name in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That sounds an awful lot like God is for himself and for his glory first, okay? And if that's true, then we are secondary. Ouch. It's not about you. Mike talked about God's jealousy in this regard. And he talked about how God doesn't need us, but he does want us. He desperately wants us. Yes, God loves you, even though you don't always love him. Yes, God is for you, even though you are not always for him. But he is for himself and his glory above all. And that's a good thing for us. Because if that's true, then he is also after our joy. He's also after our joy. Because if he's the ultimate source of our joy, then we will glorify him accordingly. If something else is a source of our joy, we will glorify that. Okay, so God is the ultimate source of joy in the universe, desires to be our ultimate source of joy. And so even though he's a jealous God and he wants his glory above all, he is our ultimate source of joy. And if all of that is, guys, this is so important to establish. It doesn't sound, I, haven't, I know I haven't talked about the Ten Commandments yet besides the review, but this is so important to establish right now because if all of that is true, then even something as boring, quote unquote, on the podcast, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers. <laughs> even something as boring as the law even something as religious, quote-unquote, as the law. Even something as like a list of do's and don'ts, which we've already established, it's not just a list of do's and don'ts, but sometimes some of us look at it that way. Even if something as boring as a list of do's and don'ts, quote-unquote, is actually meant to be a source of joy for us. It's actually meant to be a source of joy for us. Why is that? Because the law will lead you right back to him, the ultimate source of joy. It sounds crazy. Some of you, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. And it's way more than we deserve. 
Even King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, even after, you have to remember, committed murder, even after he committed adultery, delighted in the law of the Lord. David's Bible was probably just the first five books, maybe a few more. But he basically just had access to the law, the boring part that most of us skip over. He didn't have the prophets. He didn't have the cool stories about Daniel and the, the prophecies about Jesus and Isaiah. And he didn't have Paul's letters who are, so, who are so helpful. And he didn't have the cool parts in the gospels about the life of Jesus. He didn't have any of that stuff. And so, but he delighted in the law. It's, it's crazy to me. He even wrote about it in Psalm 119.24. The New Living Translation says, your laws please me. They give me wise advice. In Psalm 119.97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Man, I've got a long ways to go before I start meditating on the law all day long. So David, even with murder and adultery on his conscience for the rest of his life, delighted in the law of the Lord. He lost sleep delighting in the law of the Lord. And if David can delight in the law of the Lord, then I believe we can and should do the same. So who's ready for some law? Are we ready for some law? Yes. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Here we go. This one's going to be fun for me. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. This one sticks out to me because it's the only one that has a specific promise of blessing attached to it. Okay? And this, it's really, really cool because this, that phrase, long, full life, in the middle there, does not just mean that... God promises that you will live into your 80s, 90s, and 100s because, let's be honest, most of us probably don't want to live that long anyway. If he, if he chooses to, so be it. Blessed be the name of the Lord, but most people don't want to live that long. No, what that phrase, that phrase, long, full life, actually means that God promises to give you a life full of his presence and favor. That's way better. Yes and amen uh, to that. Like, sign me up, right? Okay, sounds good. We all want that. Go honor your father and mother. Oh man, like couldn't it have been like like the murder one? Like couldn't it have been like the the adultery one or the idol? Like I've never carved an idol before. I don't even know how to carve. Why couldn't it be that one? You know, like why couldn't it have been one of the easy ones that where I where I get the long full life? And for some of you, some of you honoring your parents is it's easy. It's easy for me. But Notice how, so no problem, right? We just need to honor our parents. But notice that he doesn't put any duration. Is the text still up there? Okay. Notice how he doesn't put any duration on the honoring. Okay. There's no, there, there are no conditions attached to the honoring. So that means we are to always honor our father and mother. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you do not understand what I'm dealing with here. Okay, like, my parents left me. 
man, they, they didn't lead me well. They didn't even tell me about Jesus. They never took me to church. My parents maybe emotionally abused me or physically abused me. I haven't seen them in decades. I haven't talked to them in decades. Or maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's, maybe it's just that every time you talk about your parents, the intro is, you know, I love my mom, but... Or I love my dad, but... I, I, I love my parents so much, but... This is a great question. What do we do? What do we do? We, God, we, we want to honor our parents. We want to honor them so badly. But what do we do when they, when they are not exactly deserving of our honor? And if I can just be vulnerable with you all for a second, this question was the one that worried me the most when I started to prepare for this message. Because when I found out um, that I was going to be preaching on this commandment specifically... I was like, yes, honor your father and mother. Like, this will be so easy. Like, like I have a, my parents were amazing. They raised me and my brother well. Like, I still have a great relationship with them today. They love my son and, and, and my wife and, and Ike's wife. And, and it's just, we have a great relationship with them. I'm going to have so much to talk about because my parents are awesome. And I'm not saying that just for those of you on the podcast. And those of you that don't know, my parents are here. They're in the front row. <laughs> I'm not saying that because they're, just, they're here. I'm saying it because it's 1,000% true. Okay, it is. But then I celebrated for a few minutes, and then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, so what are you going to tell the people that didn't have the greatest parents? And I was like, hmm, oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know, Lord. Uh, what, what should I say? He says, well, Phil, do you know what honor means? I said, oh, I, yeah, 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 I do. I mean, so, yes, yes, I know. Well, well, what does it mean? Well, 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 so it, 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 it means, um, like, if, uh, like, if you, like, greatly respecting someone, like, deferring to someone, and then th there's the Medal of Honor, which is, like, the top medal you can get in the military. <laughs> And a solid video game franchise, especially Medal of Honor Frontline for GameCube. <laughs> and then, like, silence. He hung up the phone. You know, like, yeah. And, and I knew, and in that moment, the conversation was over, and in that moment, I knew exactly where I had to go because my flimsy answer exposed the problem. The whole time I was giving it to him, I, I'm, I'm not joking, that stuttering was not for effect. Like, I was like, you know, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, exactly. Um, but guys, this is such a big deal. And right after that conversation with God, I went to my computer and I Googled a pretty extreme example. I Googled how to honor your father and mother when they are abusive. Okay. It's a pretty extreme example. It's not an exhaustive search for this particular sermon topic because I could have Googled a bunch of other things. Honor your father and mother when they're manipulative. manipulative. Honor your father and mother when, you know, whatever. But just the abuse case turned up over 4 million hits. 
Some of you in this room, some of you listening on the podcast, I'm willing to bet you Googled that before or something like it. This is a big deal, you guys. I just, I had no idea. There are so many people out there trying to figure out how to honor their parents while still protecting themselves and their heart and, and, and the lives of their, their kids. How, how, do we, how do we navigate these situations? And look, I, I don't know your situation. Like I said, my parents were amazing. I am not smart enough. I don't have enough degrees. <laughs> I haven't been walking with God long enough to be able to speak into all of your situations. But I do believe that if we look at what the Bible, the biblical definitions for honor, I can start to at least help you guys start moving in the right direction. And God will more than take care of the rest. Amen. Okay. So let's look at this word honor. In the Old Testament, if you didn't know, was written in in the language of Hebrew. And so in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the, the word used for honor is the Hebrew word kabod. Okay. And it means heavy, weighty, or burdensome. That makes a lot of sense to us, I think. In the, in the English language, the word honor is a strong word, you know, the medal of honor, right? It's a strong word. Strong word in Hebrew, too. And so even when you're trying to honor somebody that you love, really, a, a lot, maybe, it is, there is kind of like a heaviness, a weightiness to it, and, 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 um, and especially burdensome. Because, again, if you're, maybe you're trying to honor someone that you love, and not, maybe not your parents, but someone that you love very dearly, and you're trying to make a lot of food for this big occasion, and, and it takes a lot of work, especially if you want to make good food, okay? Or you, you have to carve out time in your schedule, and you have to adjust, adjust your life to this person's schedule. It's burdensome, and then it's even more burdensome when you're trying to honor someone you don't like. So this makes sense, Okay? But let's look at what the Greek tells us. Because the New Testament was written in Greek mostly. And I won't put it up on the screen, but in Ephesians 6, Paul quotes exactly Exodus 20, uh, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. But but it was written in Greek. The Greek word used in Ephesians is the word time. I couldn't, my jaw dropped when I read this properly perceived value or price. That right there is the key. Properly perceived value or price. Mike talked last week about generational change and it is so applicable here. Because if God blessed you with amazing parents, honor them accordingly. You need to properly perceive the value that they have given you. Not just the value that they've given you by putting a roof over your head when you were a child and giving you clothes and food and all of that stuff, but instilling in you a desire to love the Lord and to love his people, to leading you well, to have you in church, to all of the little things that good parents do for their kids. Understand, properly perceive the value that they have provided for you up until this point and can, and can continue to provide for you going forward. And so, you know, I, I'm married, I have a son, and I don't live with my parents anymore. I don't talk to them nearly as much, but you know what? They were amazing parents, and, and so I love going to them for advice. 
And most of the time, I, I'm in a position where I should heed their advice because they give wise counsel. So heed their advice. Speak highly of them. Defer to them. Honor, honor them in whatever way God leads you to honor them. But if you, and be the, like Mike said, be the worst mom and dad of the next 10 generations and celebrate the fact that you have this amazing legacy that you get to pass on to your children and your grandchildren. And you can tell them the story about how God has just blessed your family all the way through. Celebrate that. Take joy in that. And if your parents were not the greatest, honor them accordingly. Your parents are your parents, and that counts for something. It does. But the role they play and how active they are in your life, and especially the lives of your children, is so important, and it needs to be tempered and adjusted accordingly, because things can change. There's no guarantee that my parents are going to stay solid for the rest of my life. There's no guarantee that your terrible parents are going to stay terrible for the rest of your life. Things change. God can change things. He's in that business of redeeming lost souls, broken marriages. He's in the business of repairing parent-child relationships. Maybe decades too late in your opinion, but right on time for him. And be the generation that changes the track record. Still be the worst parent, the worst mom and dad in the next 10 generations and be able to then tell your son and your daughter and your grandchildren how God changes things. Man, I wasn't dealt a very good hand, right? But I humbled myself and I asked God for help and look what he did. Be the generation that changes the track record, and in so doing, you will greatly honor your parents, whether they deserved it or not. Because again, it's not about whether they deserve it. If you want that long, full life, a life full of God's presence and favor, honor your parents. Now, some of us need to receive some relief right now. Some of, just breathe out. One, two, three. I heard one, I think. Because this means that we're not always required to, we're not required to always obey, always defer, always pull out the red carpet treatment to honor someone, even our parents. So if they give you advice that's contrary to the word of God or just unwise counsel in general, you're not dishonoring them by refusing to obey. It's actually the opposite. You're honoring them by hearing what they have to say, weighing it against scripture, the word of God, and doing the right thing by disobeying them. Maybe your parents were never there. I don't know the situation. Maybe your parents were never there. Or, they didn't, they, or you came from an abusive situation where your safety was in question or maybe still is in question just by being around them. Are you obligated to go to birthdays and family Christmas and call them every week? No. And in some cases, you probably shouldn't. So again, I, but I, I can't tell you, I can't speak into every single situation. I just can't. 
I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that if it's this bad, only honor this much. If it's this great, honor this much. I wish I could tell you that, but I know someone who can. Ask God for wisdom and he will show you. Because he, he loves us so much, and he, but he, yet he commanded us to honor our parents and he's going to give you a way through that. Psalm 138, 6 says that he draws near to the humble, but he knows the proud from afar. So humble yourself. Because if we're being honest, in a lot of cases where there's a broken or severed parent-child relationship, there's probably some responsibility on both sides. Ask forgiveness, humble yourself before God and say, God, I love you. And in spite of everything that's happened between us, I do love my parents and I do want to honor them. God, help me figure out the way to honor them, the way that you would want me to honor them. And this sounds sacrilegious, but Google it like I did. Got four million hits just for abuse. There's millions more out there, I'm sure. All kinds of people out there genuinely trying to figure out how to navigate these waters. And you will find support. Weigh it against scripture. Go to God first, please. But there's all, but there's all kinds of support here. And oh, newsflash, you got a great church family right here. We will help you. I've seen in this past week love flow out of people to a family that's hurting in the face of tragedy. I've seen love flow out this week to families hurting because of severe medical issues in the family in quantities that I've rarely seen before. And these people are here in this room and they've got plenty more where that came from, I promise you that. So lean in. Humble yourself enough to say, guys, I just, I need some help. And we may not have the answer, but we're going to hold up your arms the whole way. After all of that, after all of that research, after all of that asking of God, don't be surprised. Lastly, I'll say this. Don't be surprised if the direction that God gives you is to remain, listen up, this is so important, is to remain an active instrument for your parents, one or both, is to remain an active instrument for their repentance or even salvation if needed. Don't be surprised. Now, that might mean just praying for them. But like when you pray for them, like actually pray for them, okay? Like really mean what you say. There are, guys, there are times when I pray for people and I have to really try to mean it. Okay, I'm just, look, I'm being honest. And every single one of you that's prayed before knows exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, let's just, just come on. It's okay. Loosen up a little bit. Okay, so, but it's your dad. It's your mom. It's your stepdad. It's your stepmom. It's your in-laws. Pray for them and really, really mean it. Pray for them out of love and compassion. It might mean meeting with them regularly to show them the truth from God's word. It might mean something else. Again, I'm not smart enough to tell you what to do, but God will show you. 
But whatever it is, you will be faced with the fact, I promise you this, you, you follow Jesus and you live long enough, you will be faced with the fact that our God is a redeemer and that he has called us to be instruments in the redeemer's hands, okay? So honor your father and mother. God will show you how to do it. We will help you. Your support system will help you. But honor your father and mother that you will live a life full of God's presence and favor. Honor your father and mother. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 and 14. Let's keep going. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery. Now, before we pat ourselves in the back with these two, let's understand a few things. First of all, this was par for the course, like the absolute bare bones minimum. Okay, because commandments like these two and some others in the, in, the, in the Ten Commandments were included because God wanted to make it clear to Israel that they were to function as a just and civil and peaceful society. And that sounds, oh, wow, sounds great over us here in the West in 2017 because we're so progressive and enlightened, right? We're not impressed by that. But they were surrounded by cultures that were not just, that were not peaceful, that were not civil really in any way. And so God wanted to make it clear, this is how you're going to function as a society, okay? But his purpose here, and it seems obvious, but if people refrain, I, I just need, I need to spell it out for you. I just feel led to spell it out for you. If people refrained from murder and violence, or murder and adultery in this case, it, it, like the society as a whole would be better. Like, can, we just, can we just agree? Like less of that equals better, more, like more peace, like probably better economy, like all of that stuff, okay? If people refrained from murder and adultery, they wouldn't just be upholding God's law but they would prosper as, a, prosper as a peaceful society because they would be engaging in relationships in the way that God designed them to function, okay? And so God's purpose here was to use these foundational laws, these simple, tangible, like short, easy to understand laws. These, like they were easy to understand and easy for people to get behind, right? We just agreed in this room like, yep, murder, se- just forget God for a second. Murder seems like a good, good thing to avoid, Adultery seems like a good thing to avoid. But God's purpose here was to call his people beyond a just and civil society and further into holiness. And Jesus drives this point home again and again, especially in Matthew 5, starting in verse 21. Let's go there. You have heard that it was said to those of old, meaning the Israelites in Exodus 20. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And then skipping down to verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus seemingly, I'm going to argue this, Jesus seemingly takes the law to a different level. To a point where now none of us can say that we faithfully kept these two commandments. 
And while it does feel that way, Jesus is not actually upping the ante like many of us in this room, on the podcast, including myself, have probably grew up thinking. He was not clarifying something in the Old Testament that was unclear. He was not correcting the original intent of the law. There is no conflict here, okay? There's zero. What he was correcting was anyone, he was correcting anyone, including us here in 2017, who had wrongly assumed that the letter of the law was all that mattered. The spirit of the law matters too. And it's not just implied by the text. It was actually written down in Deuteronomy 6.5. Okay? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. You shall love the Lord your God. It doesn't say obey. The Ten Commandments are clear about that. And all the other laws in the Old Testament. God is, is after our obedience. But Deuteronomy 6.5 says you shall love the Lord your God. That obedience should be driven by love. And and Leviticus 19, 18 says, you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Jesus even said all of the commandments, these are the two greatest commandments and everything else, all the law and the prophets rest on these two. So it was right there. The spirit of the law was actually written down in the law, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, the boring books that everyone skips over. It was right there. Jesus was not changing anything. He was restating it in a way that would make more sense to us, I guess. But if you, but if you read it, it's right there. You shall love God and you shall love people. So the letter of the law is obvious, right? You shall not murder. That's obvious. But the spirit of the law is much deeper. Because God himself says in Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So God is saying in Exodus 20 and Genesis 9 that he values human life because he created it. He created man in his own image. He's saying that you need to value human life as I value human life, even to the point where you're not to be angry with your fellow man. You need to love them because I love them. And not just some of them, all of them. And not just because I want you to obey me, guys, this is so important. Not just because I want you to obey me, but because I love you enough to tell you how I designed you and how I designed your relationship with me to work and how I designed your relationships with others to work. It's not just about you obeying what I say. And the same goes for adultery. God isn't just saying you shall not commit adultery. He's saying I designed man and woman. I designed marriage. I designed sex. I designed intimacy. And I'm telling you, I love you enough to tell you that I did not design any of those things to function well with adultery in the system. I'm not trying to put restrictions on your life. I love you enough I'm not trying to put restrictions on your life. I love you enough, that, and, I, and I'm telling you that your relationships with others, especially marriage, but your relationships with anyone will not work when you toss faithfulness out the window. It won't work. 
seems obvious, but it it sure is hard these days. Always has been. So in reality, we have no chance of upholding the law when it comes to murder and adultery. So what now? Well, if it was the Old Testament, we would be in trouble because Leviticus tells us, I won't put it up on the screen, but Leviticus tells us that the penalty for murder and adultery was death. Capital punishment. And the New Testament doesn't get much better. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. It doesn't mean physical death. Some cases it might. It means spiritual death, forever separated from the one source, the ultimate source of joy in the universe who loved you and created you and is so desperate for, for a relationship with you, a saving relationship with you. Or how about Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22? I won't read it. I'll summarize it for you. It's the, the encounter with Jesus and the rich young ruler. So this man comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? And Jesus basically lists a few of them, but he basically says all of them. And the, guy sa- and the man says, well, I have. I- I- I've done all of those things from the time I was little. I faithfully kept all of the commandments. What more must I do? And Jesus says, so the great equalizer, Jesus the great equalizer says, go and sell everything you have and give the proceeds to the poor. And the man walked away saddened because he had great wealth and it was going to be difficult to part with it. Jesus was the great equalizer and he fulfilled the law, all of it, because we didn't have to. That's a really good thing because there was no way we were going to be able to do it in the first place. And so, the, guys, the law was given because you can't. The law was given because you can't. And in your can't, you will seek out a Savior. Because the law was meant to lead you to him, lead you to the conclusion that he has designed this universe to work a certain way, designed life to be a certain way. And when you approach life the way that God has you approach life, when you do it God's way, it works as opposed to your way, which doesn't work. I'm not trying to jam anyone right now. I'm trying to bring some relief. Because some of you have been trying so hard to manufacture your way to Jesus, to build a bridge across an impossibly large gap. You've been trying to figure this life out. We come up with words like adulting. Trying to figure everything out, and you don't have to. 
There's freedom in this truth of living life the way that God has told us it's supposed to work. There's freedom in that truth, not slavery. That takes all the pressure off. It's, that, that should take all the pressure off because now, you have to, now all you have to do is stop trying so hard. Anybody been angry before? Anybody had a lustful thought before? You can't. You can't do it. You cannot fulfill the law, and in your can't, you will seek out a Savior. And James 2, James 2, 10 through 12 says this so perfectly. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Again, there it is, the great equalizer. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law, meaning all of the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. What? The law that sets you free. As a follower of Jesus, you have a choice because you are no longer a slave to sin. So choose freedom. And no matter who you are, you have a choice. You can choose to acknowledge the law or not. You can choose to acknowledge God's sovereignty in this universe or not. But one choice you don't have is how you will be judged and by what law you will be judged. And either way, you're going to be judged by a law that's supposed to set you free. Not enslave you. A law that sets you free. So choose freedom. Why not choose freedom? This book called God's Word, these Ten Commandments, they're not meant to be a ball and chain around your neck. It's the key to true freedom. If it was a ball and chain around your neck, you would have no choice but to obey. You would become the perfect obeyer, but you would have no joy and no love, and your obedience would be worth absolutely zero at the end of the day, because while your behavior had been changed, even perfected, your heart and mind would be absolutely devoid of any desire to obey, which would then fill you up with nothing but bitterness and resentment toward a God who had successfully beat you into submission. But that's not at all what God is after. God is not, guys, God is not interested in, well, I better do what he says or he'll send me to hell. And heaven isn't a place for people who are afraid of hell. It's a place for people who love God. Heaven is not a place for, for people who are afraid of hell. It's a place for people who love God. It's a place for people who want freedom. And that same God loved us so much that in Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, he loved us so much that he predestined us for adoption. Don't be afraid of that word predestined. It just means to determine beforehand. In love, he loved us so much that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, the great equalizer, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. 
with which he has blessed us. This glorious grace made it all possible. This glorious grace is why we love him. This glorious grace is why we worship him. This glorious grace is why we find our joy in him, our ultimate joy in him. This glorious grace is why we run to him in true freedom. And this glorious grace is way more than we deserve. Let's pray. God in heaven, you love us so much. More than we could imagine, more than we could deserve. And we thank you that you have given us the Ten Commandments, given us the whole law. Giving us everything we need to know exactly what you want. told us exactly how life was designed to work. And you loved us so much to give us the key to true freedom. And you gave us your son, Jesus, who could, who could fulfill the law fully so we don't have to because we couldn't. And you gave us that Savior and you gave us this glorious grace. So that we might be saved that we might be set free. It's way more than we deserve, God, and we acknowledge that right now. We, we worship you for that right now. We thank you for that right now. It's way more than we deserve, God. All of it is way more than we deserve, God. In Jesus' name, amen.